light of infinite. All of life is about the beautiful balance of releasing control and connecting. Because we are tasked to toil for our bread, we find ourselves stuck in a mindset of thinking that we are in control of our lives, that the more we dominate our circumstances, the more we are in control. What we find in the lesson of Shemitah, the year of release, is that the rewards come from the release. Yes, we have to work the field, so to speak, but without pause, there is no ultimate pleasure. To demonstrate faith to ourselves and our Creator, we have to pause our compulsion to constantly control. What we see most immediately with Shabbat, especially in the era of these mini computers in our hands at most moments, is that while we seem to be steering the ship, the ship often is steering us. When we shift the dynamics and put away our machines, we can reconnect our purpose, our Creator, and faith itself. It's like a hard reset to wash away the layers of disconnect so that we can once again feel unified with our Source. Just last week, we spoke about Shabbat as a day of rest for Hashem and for us and covered the Shalosh Regalim, the High Holidays, which the Torah also calls Shabbat, Days of Rest. In this Parashah Behar, in this Torah portion, we are taught about Shabbat for the land of Israel. For six years, we may sow the field, prune the vineyards, and gather crops, but in the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath of complete rest, a Sabbath for Hashem. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard, a complete rest for the land. This seventh year is called the Shemitah year, the year when the land is released. We also learn in this parasha that the Jewish people are commanded when they go into the land of Israel to count seven Sabbaths of years, seven years, seven times, and the days of seven Sabbaths of years shall be for you 49 years. The Torah goes further instructing us to sanctify the 50th year and proclaim freedom throughout the land of all its inhabitants. This sounds pretty similar to the Sfirata Omer, where it's seven days, seven weeks, 49 days in nature, and then instead of the 50th year in the Sfirata Omer, the 50th day where we receive the Torah anew, the redemption. Rav Natan of Breslov reminds us that after Adam ate from the tree, the curse of toiling the land came into play. The mitzvah, commandment of Shemitah, the year of release, the sabbatical year, rectifies Adam's sin by ceasing to toil the land. The most beautiful part of Shemitah is that every seven years, we are commanded to forgive all debts, to not work the land of Israel by planting or harvesting, and to let all the produce that grows become hefker, which means ownerless, so that anyone can take and eat from it. This rectifies the sin of Adam, who separated from Hashem by defying his word. By observing Shemitah, we show our connection to Hashem and the mitzvot, the commandments, which act as a tikkun, as a rectification. Beyond the unification with our Creator is the unification with each other. The notion of all that we have worked for in the land becoming ownerless shows that we are all sharing equally in its benefits, demonstrating that separations are man-made and in fact, we are all truly united. It's a time when we transcend all economic and social differences. As we read in this parasha, in this Torah portion, the Sabbath produce of your land shall be yours to eat, for you, for your slave, and for your maidservant, and for your laborer, and for the residents who dwell with you, and for your animal, and for the beast that is in your land. Just as the Shabbat is one-sixtieth of the next world, so too the year of Shemitah, when we stop working the field, gives us a taste of the world beyond our finite one, where all beings, including animals and rich and poor alike, have access to the complete harvest. It's a time when the figment of our fractured perceptions and differences between each other fall by the wayside, and when we share status, all being infused with godliness and equal standing. Taking this a step further with Yovel, the Jubilee year, in the 50th year, the land of Israel must again lie fallow. It may not be worked. 
and all land in Israel that was purchased in those 50 years is returned to its original owners, in addition to the cancellation of all debts and freeing of all slaves. These laws pertain to the land of Israel, as it says, Take off your shoes from your feet, for the place upon which you are standing is holy ground. It's no coincidence that we read this parasha at the same time that we are counting this Sfirat Omer. 49 days, 7 days for 7 weeks, from Pesach leading to Shavuot, the 50th day which Kabbalistically represents the 50th gate of understanding, of Binah. The cycle of 7 is seen throughout our lives. The two 7-day festivals, Pesach and Shavuot, marriage is celebrated and sanctified via the Sheva Brachot, the 7 blessings. Shiva, the mourning period of the loved one, is 7 days. Seven days is the count of clean days around Nida, women's menstruation, and of course the sanctification and inauguration of the sanctuary, Shivat Yimei Miluim, and the period of purification we undergo in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, when we can count from Tum'ah to Tahor, purity. And related to the time of Sfirat Omer, the splitting of the sea took place seven days after the Exodus, and the giving of the Torah happened seven weeks after Exodus. Seven is a cycle and a space where we could rectify the natural, and in that rectification, we are answered with revelations of divinity. As we covered last week, Sfirat Omer is a journey in refining the seven emotional attributes outlined in the ten Sfirot, Keter, Crown, Chochmah, Wisdom, Bina, Understanding, Dat, Knowledge, Chesed, Loving Kindness, Gevura, Restraint, Justice, Strength, Tiferet, Harmony, Beauty, Compassion, Netzach, Dominance, Endurance, Victory, Hod, Empathy, humility, splendor, yesod, foundation, and finally, malchut, kingship. And the seven sefirot permeate the seven days of creation and are the ways in which Hashem orchestrates existence. We see this in ourselves created in Hashem's image as we are composed of the seven attributes that we rectify during the Omer, love, restraint, harmony, ambition, devotion, connection, and receptiveness. Darizal explains that true freedom is the release of consciousness from its constricted state the ability to approach divine understanding of the world. Both Shemitah and Sfirah are opportunities for us to rectify our base nature towards divine understanding. Rashi asks why the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, and as a response, the Khatam Sofer draws a parallel between the year of Shemitah and every day of the annual Sfirat Omer period. Each Shemitah consists of seven years and is followed by the 50th year, Yovel. The seven weeks of seven days of Sfirat Omer prepare us for receiving the Torah when the shofar blasts, just as it does on Yom Kippur of Yovel. And as we read in Sefer Shemot in the Exodus, upon an extended blast of the shofar, they may ascend the mountain. We see the connection between Yovel and Har Sinai, as the shofar blasts at Har Sinai were described as Yovel. In this parasha, in this Torah portion, we read that every seventh year was called Shabbat Ha'aretz, the Sabbath of the land. This parallels every seven days of Sfirat Omer which contains a Shabbat. So the ultimate redemption comes by way of both the 50th gate of understanding through Sfirat Omer, the seven Shabbatot, of our inner selves leading to Shavuot, and the seven cycles of Shemitah, of that which surround us, how we elevate nature, leading to the ultimate redemption, Yovel at Har Sinai. Chazal, the sages, say, whoever sanctifies himself from below is sanctified from above. And this recurring pattern in the Torah of just that six days and years of working in nature, a seventh day and year of rest in holiness, and then the multiplication of those seven days or years by another seven, all leading up to the eighth day or the 50th day and the 50th year. Numbers that represent time beyond nature, 
the time that Hashem intervenes on another level, connection beyond our limitations in this world. We have a Shabbat in time, the seventh day, in space, the high holidays, and in both space and time, the Shemitah and Yovel, all intended to take all that we put into creation, all the work we do from below, and return it to us in a time of rest and unification with the Divine. The eighth day and the fiftieth day and year go beyond even that, and hint towards a time when we won't be constricted or held down by the world and its toil. Instead, we'll be completely unified to purpose, oneness, and spirituality. This is referred to as the days of Kulo Shabbat, entirely Shabbat. Our sages refer to it as the messianic era when darkness will be fully transformed into light. We won't have to toil for our food, and as King David sings, let there be an abundance of grain on earth. The Akedat Yitzchak says that Shemitah and Yovel are windows to open blind eyes which are immersed in the sights of the immediate time. All land becomes ownerless so a person doesn't become enslaved by his own labor and puts his faith back into Hashem as the ultimate provider. He is reminded in this dramatic way to be content with keeping enough of his produce to sustain himself and not to allow himself to be overcome by the desires to accumulate wealth. Tavat Mamon. It's an incredible way to be mindful of human nature and the cycles that surround it and to meditate on the part of us, our neshama, our soul, that surpasses nature. I love what Judith Shulowitz shared in this topic in New York Times Magazine. I often think of something two rabbis said. Rabbi Judah Lau of Prague, best known for his tales of the golem, pointed out that the story of creation was written in such a way that each day, each new creation is seen as a step towards a completion that occurred on the Shabbat. What was creation's climactic culmination, the act of stopping? Why should God have considered it so important to stop? Rabbi Elijah of Vilna put it in this way, God stopped to show us that what we create becomes meaningful to us only once we stop creating it and to start thinking about why we did so. The implication is clear. We could let the world wind us up and set us to marching like a mechanical doll that goes on and on until they fall over because they don't have a mechanism that allows them to pause. But that would make us less than human. We have to remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. The land can keep giving and we can keep taking just as we can keep lending and allowing other people to take on debts, even if we see that a person might not be able to pay us back. When that is the case, debts build up across a whole community. The land becomes burdened without any way to release the tension, fear, and greed. Nina Beth Cardin says that Shemitah is a rehearsal of a new way, a time to practice living in a world of enoughness, where each of us is filled and flourished with enough, where disproportionate iniquities would not and could not exist. And when Shemitah is over and we re-enter the other six years, we take a bit of what we learn with us and put it into practice in our everyday lives. Shemitah is a divine imperative, a concept introduced with the words Behag Sinai on Mount Sinai, so we are meant to rest assured that even though we are pausing from sowing the field, Hashem will provide as we read, my blessings for you in the sixth year, and it will yield a crop sufficient for the three-year period. In this Pasuk, in this verse, Hashem addresses the worry that we might have that we won't have sufficient provisions for the year of Shemitah and the three years after it. Hashem says that He will bless the land and that miraculously there will be three years worth of provisions to reap in the sixth year, just before the Shemitah year. Just as there was a double portion of manna on Erev Shabbat when the Jews were in the desert, so too there will be extra produce before the Shemitah in the Promised Land so the people can fully celebrate this moment of holy rest. We need to realize that Hashem's blessing us 
It's not a product of nature, but produced by divine blessings. It's similar to the blessing of Pagnasa, of livelihood. We can do our part, the Hishtadlut, but for the blessings to be received, it's ultimately in the hands of Hashem. Historically, the first Shemitah took place after the destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash, the second holy temple. To this day, farmers in Israel are required to keep Shemitah. The last one was September 7th, 2021, and ended September 25th, 2022. Yovel, on the other hand, is not currently observed because the entire Jewish nation needs to be living in Israel for it to be in effect. Once the tribes of Reuven, God, and half of Menashe were exiled 130 years before the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash, the Yovel could no longer be observed. Nevertheless, the lessons of Shemitah and Yovel are timeless. Chinuch teaches that Shemitah is meant to commemorate the renewal of the world by Hashem alone, to teach us that having a Munah, faith and bitachon, trust in Hashem, in our God on the one hand, and generosity on the other. We fulfill these mitzvot, these commandments, by releasing our impulse to work the land excessively and control creation. We release ownership and debts to ones in need, shifting our focus and trust in our own work and control and putting faith in divine will. It's a profound illustration of our faith that, after all, everything belongs to the master of it all, Hashem. Release, control, and connect. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.